so you can imagine this huge deep ocean, can't you? And, and do you know what we're doing? We've just sort of managed to take our socks off and roll up our, our trouser legs a little bit, and we're sort of just letting our toes dip into the water. And, and we look out, and we can't see the other. It's even bigger than Lake Ontario. It, it, it's, it's bigger than the North Atlantic. So you stand on the coast of England, and you look out across the ocean, and it's just absolutely vast. That is a picture of the love, the goodness of God. And all we're doing is just dipping our toes in the edge. And then suddenly you see a huge whale splashing out from the depths. And you think to yourself, that's what I want. At least I hope you do. And that, of course, is exactly what is available to us. Now, if you've got a Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn uh, with me to um, Ephesians at chapter 6. And already some of you are thinking, well, I know what that's all about, Ephesians chapter 6, because when you were children, uh, you were thinking uh, not about the first part of the section, which says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. What you're thinking about is verse 10, uh, which talks about the armor of God. And you probably were made to dress up in Sunday school with uh, a bit of tinfoil or an old saucepan on your head and uh, a breastplate made out of, uh, of um, aluminum foil and so on. So let's read these verses together. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 uh, to verse 20. And it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all power and supplications in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplications for all the saints, praying for each other, that means, and for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I might speak boldly as I ought to speak. Speak boldly, eh? Um, now, my wife said that I wasn't prepared to prepare a message for this week, but I just couldn't help uh, when I knew what the next song that Peter had chosen was going to be. It's... Uh, Onward Christian soldiers. And you know a lot today, people get upset about uh, considering or comparing the church of Jesus Christ to an army. Now, the Apostle Paul used to compare uh, our uh, life in the Lord Jesus to several things. One of them was buildings, and he kept talking about edifying each other and to build each other up. And he talked about stones, all different sizes and different shapes. And as I look around, I can see that we are all different sizes and we are all different shapes. But that's the beauty, that's the wonderfulness of the Christian family because whilst we're all different, we miraculously just all slot together into this wonderful building that we have, which is called the church. And then the Apostle Paul 
uh, he spoke a lot about races and he spoke a lot about games and the Olympics and things like that. And he said this, he said, fix your eyes on the goal at the end and keep running. And it's absolutely true. If you want to be the winner, if you want to win the race, if you want to make it to the end, have you ever done hurdles, 100 meter hurdles? Any hands up for 100 meter hurdles? Okay, well done. I used to love that and I think I still hold the uh, Berkshire under 14's record, Royal County of Berkshire in England, under 14's record for 100 meter hurdle um, uh, sprint. Loved it. But the thing was, if you looked aside to see who, you know, how the guy next door was doing, fatal. You'd hit the hurdles, get your legs caught in them, and it was a disaster. But Paul said, just fix your eyes on the end. And what do we fix our eyes on? We fix our eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on him. And it says the author and perfecter of our faith, which is great. But here, Paul talks about war. You know, he's very, very blunt about it. And he, what he's saying is, guys, you're in a battle, all right? And because you're in a battle, he says, you need to do certain things. You need to be ready. You need to be prepared for certain things that are coming on. Why does Paul use the illustration of war in these verses? Uh, why does he talk about helmets and breastplates and shoes and swords and things like this? All the sorts of things that Christians are not supposed to talk about and all the rest of it. Well, he talks about it for a very, very good reason. And it's this. Paul is stating that Satan is a strong adversary. Okay? And because he's strong, we need to be prepared. And we need to be able to have the defenses in place. And we need to have the power of God to be able to stand against him. Because if we don't, we just get crushed and pushed aside and rolled over. What must, we, what must we never do in respect of Satan? We must never underestimate the power of the devil. Okay? Here's a reason. As I said to you, it was last week, there's only one occasion when he tells the truth about us. But all the other times he lies. He's deceitful. John 8.44 tells us that his very language is deceit. Some of us speak English here. Some of us speak proper English here. Some of us speak Polish. Okay. Some of us speak Canadian. That's a very fascinating language. Some of us speak Dutch. But Satan speaks lies. That is his very language. When his mouth is moving, it's deceit. And the only time he tells the truth is when he's accusing us before God. We're stood on that day of judgment and Satan can't stop speaking and he says do, do, do you know what this guy's like? Do you know what this woman's like? You should see the things they've done and God says I know what they've done. You should see the things that they've ruined, their relationships that have failed. All sorts of things and God says it's okay. Or the Lord Jesus comes and says it's okay. Because I know this person. And everything's been covered in my blood. And so we don't have to worry about that. Remember, Satan is not compared to a lion or a dragon just for a laugh. He's described as a prowling lion. And you don't want to meet a prowling lion. 
Don't want to meet a dragon either. They say that Wales is the land of dragons. Now, that's something which most of you will have absolutely no idea what it's about. But even the flag, if you look at the Welsh flag, it has a dragon in the middle of it. And Satan isn't compared to lions and dragons for no reason. If you've read the book of Job, uh, pretty well the oldest, chronologically, oldest book in the Bible, you will know what Satan can do and will do to a person's body if he chooses and to their home, well, he can do, and to their home and to their wealth and to their friends if we allow him to do so. Jesus called Satan a thief who comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, John 10, verse 10. Also remember that Satan is intelligent, he's subtle, and we fight against the wiles of the devil. And here's the thing. <clears throat> All these bits of armor that were spoken about here, I'm going to suggest to you, maybe, and there's another way of looking at it, but I'm going to suggest to you that in one sense, the whole armor of God that is spoken of here is this. It's knowing Jesus. It's knowing Jesus. Because we're told in John 14, verse 6, that Jesus is the truth. Satan lies, Jesus speaks the truth. We're told in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, Jesus is our righteousness. Because in Jesus we are made righteous. We're told in Ephesians 2 and verse 14 that Jesus is our peace. Because there is peace in Jesus. Whatever the world throws at us, we can still have peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.20 tells us of Jesus' faithfulness that makes it possible for us to have faith. Luke 2 verse 30, Jesus is our salvation. John 1 verses 1 to 4 and 14, Jesus is the word of God. What does all this mean? It means that when we trusted in Jesus, we were clothed in the full armor of God. Now, here's the thing, and we've been speaking about it for the last two weeks, and I've said we can't move on in Acts until we all begin to understand this properly. And I've been having some chats with different people, and I am just amazed at the struggle that some people have to understand this. You see, it's all about Jesus living in us. That's it. We cannot live like Jesus. All we can do and to see is Jesus living his life in us. And that's how we live like Jesus. You see, the Holy Spirit works in us and through us and he lives within us and he changes us and he makes us to be the people that he wants us to be. And as the Holy Spirit lives within us, we become hungrier to know Jesus. As the Holy Spirit lives within us, we become hungrier to be like Jesus. And so Romans, sorry, Ephesians 6 and the list of armor that is spoken of, put Jesus on. Let him live within you. Call to him and he will do exactly that. So final verse. And we sing our next hymn and then over to you, Randy. Romans 13, verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus. It's very simple. 
The gospel is simple, but we're not into easy believism because it's the hardest thing in the world to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ that he can do all this for us. But he can, he does, and he wants to. So this evening, clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus by repenting of your sin, calling to him, and placing your trust, your whole trust, in him and him alone. So, onward Christian soldiers, we have to sing it, let's stand and sing it together with uh, great gusto. So you just go on up afterwards, okay? And if you want to finish the whole service off, you've got the order.
Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Okay. How are we this evening? Good. Okay. <coughs> so tonight I'll be giving my testimony. How I came to faith. So God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So I have one question tonight. Are you ready to humble yourself? Proverbs 15.33 The fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom and humility comes before honor. So I'm going to do two things tonight. I'm going to tell you who I am in my own strength and then I'm going to tell you who I am in Christ. As I look back now, I realize something. I was looking for something to make me complete. And little did I know, it came in the form of love. When I was 17, 18 years old, I went to basic training at CFB Blackdown, or Canadian Forces Base Blackdown. I remember running to the point of throwing up and getting up early. But the challenge I was about to face was nothing like this. I grew up in a Christian home, being taught, going to church and reading, not saying certain words, not dressing a certain way, not hanging out with certain people, being taught to walk in the way of righteousness. I used to attend Fellowship Baptist Church. They did much for the community, missions, BVBS. Then there was me, 1 Peter 3.21, and this water symbolizes baptism. That now saves you, also not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. As a small child, I was baptized. People would tell me I was, but it meant nothing. I felt nothing. One thing I do remember since I was a kid was my dad telling me to read Proverbs. And once I was done Proverbs, he would tell me to read it again and again and again. I think he only told me to read John once. After a couple of years, my sister was baptized by my father in a lake at Bible camp. When we came back, the, the pastor asked me if I wanted to be baptized. I said sure, having no real meaning of the magnitude of which baptism really meant. So I quickly made something up to share. But I continued in my sin and shame. Worst of all, I hid it and lied. Oh yes, I don't forget, I continued praying and reading, but nothing really sank in, more than basic head knowledge. At times throughout my childhood, the Spirit made himself known to me. But in my ignorance and arrogance, I continued in self-righteousness. I had no clear conscience, as it says in First Peter. Cultural Christianity will destroy you. Mark 7, 8, you have, left, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. The clothes I wore, the friends I had, was all because I had to, not because I wanted to. Then when I was old enough to rebel, I did. This is who I am in my own strength as a, Christ, uh, as a Christian. I was burning down life's highway at full throttle, doing dang well anything I pleased, while Mama was on her knees burning a candle. I got hooked on porn, 
which led to self-sex. I would not honor my father or mother. I would lie about what I was doing and try to hide it. I can remember being so very angry in my alone time, just angry, not confident in anything, being so unconfident that I would go, out, go to extreme lengths to be accepted by people. I wouldn't eat and I worked out like crazy. I looked like a skeleton. I bought fast trucks and cars. I went to parties. I would be so unconfident that whatever my friends did, I would do it 10 times crazier. I have a uh, all or nothing type of personality. Most of the nights I would play these horrendous video games of killing and that was just the exterior. You don't even want to know what was going on in my head. Thoughts of, this world would be better off without you. No one really loves you, they just all feel sorry for you. I was f chasing fantasies, dreams, and money. I remember working 18 hours a day. And for what? Then I got a girlfriend. My value of a woman was nothing like it is today. It was, what can I get out of her? Even more drinking, smoking, all kinds of funny things. Remember at one point, I think I was smoking like two packs a day. Thank God I'm still a virgin to this day. I thought I knew what love was, but I had no idea. We wouldn't read or pray together, but it was all okay. I got my cowboy boots on, my little belt buckle on, and I still went to church and read every day and prayed, just like the country songs played. When I used to think of eternity, I used to think of nothing, just black nothingness. You see, I used church to dim my morals enough to send me straight to hell. I used every excuse in the book you can think of, blaming other people for my failures, not being able to keep a job. It was always someone else's fault. The worst of all, I was good at hiding it. I lied and hid it from people. I was a coward. They thought I was a saint because they only saw me once a week on Sundays, but little did they know. I know my mother kept praying for me day and night. When mama prayed, good things happened. When mama prayed, lives were changed. Suddenly, I saw through my friends. Nothing seemed to keep me satisfied anymore. The more I tried, the worse it got. And the look on my mother's face was enough to break a boy's heart. I woke up one morning, saw an empty whiskey bottle on the floor, and thought, I'm just as empty as that bottle. I asked God, if you are real, please help me. I can't live this way. I need to be pure for my future wife. I am so tired of living a lie. I am so tired of being alone. I am so tired of no one caring. I am so sick and tired of myself. God, what do you want from me? Yes, I know all those quaint little stories and novels out of the Bible, which really didn't mean a lot to me. I knew God's forgiveness, but do you want to know the one thing that got me that no one has ever told me before? Isaiah 43:25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sin no more. Never have I ever heard in my life that Christ will remember your sins no more. For about two years, I was waking up in the middle of the night, weeping for hours, hitting my knees, crying, just remember yelling at the devil, get away from me, crying to God, just repeatedly saying, 
please help me, and I was telling him how sorry I was. <coughs> Repenting. Over the course of the next two years, the girlfriend left, stopped drinking and partying and all that came with it. I'm not even sure myself how I got to this point. I dislike, I dislike it when people say you have to clean up your life before you come to Christ. That is not true. All you have to do is come and seek and you shall find. That was two years ago. Now here's where things get exciting. So now I'm 24, or 23, going on 24, kind of shy. I find the best way to stand is on my knees. Confident, and now I am confident in the Lord. And here's what he has done in my life. Now it's not just only reading the word, but reading the word to preach. Now it's not just praying, but praying for intercessional prayer, grabbing the altar by the horns and saying, this must change, this has to change. Now it's not just memorizing verses, but memorizing verses to help others and combat the devil. Now it's not just socializing, but socializing to evangelize. Now it's not just talking to a young girl, but finding the girl that God wants me to be with so I can give her the life that she deserves. Now it's not just having money, but working for that future family and gaining skills in the diesel trade. Now it's I can leave that mess of a boy behind and become a man of Christ. It's not just talking to Sim and the elders, it's talking to Sim and the elders to find out how I ought to become a man. It's not just talking with you people, but it's talking to you so I can put into practice the scriptures. Most mornings, I wake up with a hymn in my head. Everything I do, even just sitting in my chair, I do it to glorify Christ. I am pure in thought, which was a very hard thing to do, and you do not know the beauty of purity. I spend most of the day praying or thinking on things above. I am reading my Bible vigorously, applying each and every verse to my life. I absolutely love life, and I cannot wait to see my Savior in heaven. Every day is a little sweeter with Jesus. I love spending as much time in prayer as possible trying to love other people the way God wants me to and focusing on what's important, purity, godliness, holiness, and righteousness. Most nights, it's sitting down with a cup of tea and just reading for two or three hours, just delighting in his word and finally having a soul at peace. I'm now at rest. If I die, I'll be with Jesus. If I live, I get to keep living for him a great high priest whose name is love. Sometimes, just the mere mention or thought of his name makes me cry. I have never felt so free before. So my question to you is, uh, which tears would you rather be shedding? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, your loving kindness is better than life. You value each and every one of us. Everyone has the same opportunity to come to you. May we truly know what it means to become a Christian, to repent, turn away from our sin, and walk in the way of righteousness. Protect us from the evil one, we pray. Amen. I just want to read a psalm that I thought was very fitting. Psalm 116. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. 
he had heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the simple-hearted. When I was in great need, he saved me. Be at rest once more, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, O Lord, have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore I said, I am greatly afflicted. And in my dismay I said, all men are liars. How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. <laughs> 